Hey friends and fiends, welcome back if you have listened to me before and welcome aboard if you haven't listened to me in the past. I want to say thank you for all of you who are listening. Uh, If you wouldn't mind rating, reviewing, and subscribing to my podcast, it really helps getting the podcast out there and visible to more people. Uh, If you also wouldn't mind suggesting it to your friends, if you are amongst other people who really like horror movies, that would be great. You can follow me on Instagram at I Don't Watch Horror, on Facebook at Horror Movies Podcast, and on Twitter I am at Watch underscore Horror Pod. So just a forewarning, the interview on this episode, again, is done remotely. Uh, the person I was interviewing didn't have recording equipment, so it was done over the the video recording interface. So the my volume is a bit much, and my friend Chris's volume is a little quieter. Unfortunately, I apologize. Uh, this is something I'm really looking for ways to improve upon. So, without further ado, here is Ravenous. Hey, welcome back everybody to I Don't Watch Horror Podcast, and this week I have with me my friend Chris. Hi everybody. And what movie did you have me watch for this week? I had uh, Kelly watch Ravenous, a 1999 period piece with Guy Pierce about cannibalism. Why did you pick this movie for me? Um, I just kind of, I looked through a list of kind of like top horror movies. I tried to find something that some of the suggestions I had made were already kind of dipped on or, <laughs> or, um, or she had seen it like the previous year, but I came across this one again and I was like, oh, that one was kind of, that one was decent. It was, uh, it was a bit out there, you know, it was overly gory, even though kind of with the title you would think it would be really gory, but it really wasn't had a good cast of characters and i love the score I mean, the score is good. it does fall flat at some points but i was just kind of in a pinch just kind of gra- reaching for for something <laughs> i i actually thought it was really good so yeah. i I'm, I'm glad you suggested it so before we just get right into the movie what is it about horror that you like oh like when i was a kid it's just the fact that, uh, you know, scaring yourself. I used to, uh, when I was really young, like the Friday the 13th uh, the series would be aired on USA Network every Friday the 13th. They'd do like a marathon. I would always stay up late and watch it. And of course, I would out um, and then eventually banned from watching such stuff from my parents. You know, a lot of things, like just it's the, it's the unknown. It's, it's the you know, going from as a child looking at it, it's like, oh, you know, you don't, uh, it's like forbid, forbid. So you, of course, you want to go there. You want to go there. You want to tap into that. Uh, I just remember going to movie stores, video stores, and looking at the looking at the boxes, like the VHS uh, cover art, being like, especially like the, the Halloween movie, which always uh, I've always had a, a huge, huge liking, like masks for the Halloween. Movie. That was like the main thing, like the mask on the cover. And I'm like, okay, I want to see that. Not so much for the horror or the gore or anything. The first Halloween isn't gory. It was like the mask that drew me in, the unknown behind that. So it's a. Uh, it was almost kind of like you're you're judging the book by the cover, and you're judging the oh, movie totally. by. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. And then believe me, there's so there's so much. Uh, great cover art for horrible movies and books too. I mean, they're doing a great job with the cover art because of the. But uh, yeah, and then it's the yeah, it's, it's the unknown, especially when they don't show, when they leave a lot to the imagination. Jaws, you know, you don't see the shark, um, and that's that was one of those things where they didn't mean to do that because it's the failure of props not working. But yeah, it's always the unknown. It's always the, the slow burns are the best. The score is really the best. You know, really good. You can get drawn into it like the original Friday the 13th had a lot of violin and just the shrieking type sounds. Whereas like nowadays, modern movies, the scores are, you know, lackluster. But they've gotten a lot better, especially with indie movie. Bloomhouse does pretty good with indie film. Their score and kind of trying to keep it 
again, like the classic movies, trying to savor what uh, what the payoff will be. Because if you show your hand too quickly, it's just like, uh, you know, then it just becomes like Saw or uh, House, of House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, House of a Thousand Corpses. You know, all those Rob Zombie movies. You know, they just they show they tip their hand too quickly or hostile. Like it was just it just becomes about gore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whereas you look at movies like any Clive Barker film, like the original, I don't know if you've seen Hellraiser, or not the original Hellraiser, that's no. one, you know, that's like, that's like body horror type stuff. Um, there was a little bit of body horror in this. Oh, okay. yeah, there is, but it's not like over the top, and what I like mainly, what really, what I always come back to is just like within the, I think it's like the first five minutes when Guy Pierce is sitting at the table with all the other soldiers, and he's looking at that piece of raw meat, and you hear the score, and then you hear the clinking of all the silverware and everything, and then it slowly zooms into him, and his breath becomes louder and louder. <laughs> and then that is really, that's definitely throwing back to a lot of classic mm-hmm. uh, horror films, for sure. Yeah, and then the, then, then the score that comes in afterward, after this, this commanding officer is like, look, I know you know, you're a coward, and I don't want you here. So the score comes in. Very, it's like upbeat, but at the same time, it's under. The score works really well. Yeah, that's that's something I thought was interesting. It was like it, it was a very uh, it was a very upbeat score. It I, I have nothing else to say, but like, but it was surprising. Yeah, it's very surprising. And then, like, I you know, I read some stuff about it, like on Wikipedia, and they they they, they described it as to like a dark comedy. And there are some like there's some levity throughout. Yeah, I, I mean, David like, oh, Arquette's in it. Chucklesome. But when they first go to the cave mm-hmm. to find um, to find the woman and Colonel Ives. Can I, uh, uh, can you put a pin in that real quick? Sorry, I thought I could leave the door open, but the cats are going wild and causing noise. All right, so they first go into the cave. Yeah, when they were looking for, like, Mrs. McCready and uh, Colonel Ives, and then uh, Calhoun, you know, is digging for the night, and then he kills uh, Colonel Hart, and then he tells the other guy to run. And then that that upbeat, like, backwoodsy music that plays, it's like, wow, this is really... It's like banjo, like upbeat, like, hey, Ricky Dink, like, you know, we're going paddling down the river. Kind of like, wow, this doesn't seem like it would work here, but it also brings, it lightens it a bit, mm-hmm. you know. And you're still realizing, you still realize that, okay, this is like a, a serious, a twisted situation, but it brings that levity to it. I think, I think one of the things that made it, what I enjoyed about it was that stuff like this, happened in real life back right. in the, like, whether it was on a ship or it happened more than just the Donner Party out in the mountains. It happened oh, yeah, the seven, Donner Party. Yeah, I mean, it, it happened more than once um, in, in that area d- during that pre-modern transportation era. And so, like, just the fact that this could have happened. This, you, you know, aside from the Wendango aspect to it, like there could have just been a madman out in the woods who was luring people out to, to, to kill them and eat them. So yeah, that fact just kept coming forward in my mind. Like these are all very plausible situations that people found themselves in. Yeah, that was probably one of the more upsetting thoughts that I kept having through the movie. Yeah, the, the feeling of yeah, the, the, the fact that it's it's set in kind of reality, it's not fantastical. Um, it's a period piece, and I love I love the mixture of the two of those: the horror, suspense, and a period piece. Both, um, especially when it's done, you know, when it's done well, costume wise, production value. It could have been a whole band of people just taking advantage of of the migration, you know, the mm-hmm. manifest destiny of people, you know, going to seek their fortune, land that and then all you have to do is just wait have to wait around a certain bend or along a certain route mm-hmm. and people will come to you and that's just that's there's um as so i listen to a lot of like true crime podcasts and it it kind of one of the things uh one of the the shows that i watch had a had a whole series on german cannibals 
Uh, yep. And one of, one of the situations was this guy would, you know, just let travelers come through and he'd be like, oh, I'll, I'll let you sleep here. I'll feed you for the night because you're traveling and da 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 da. And one happened every time. And he was like just far enough out of town that he ended up killing and eating like five-ish people. And yeah, so like, like they even said, we're not gonna take everyone. Um, but like, you know, they were expecting people to start coming through for the gold rush. So that would have been the perfect situation for uh, the Scottish Colonel Ives. Oh, Colonel Ives, yeah. And I don't know if, I think, I think he was just, I don't even know if he was Calhoun. I don't know if he actually was Ives or not. I think it said on the, the wiki page that he pretended to be Ives. Um, Maybe he was on that wagon train just pretending to be an officer. Yeah. Be a colonel. And then just, I mean, that's what you do. You, as a hunter, that's what they do. They wait. They find the right moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like they're not really, I mean, obviously they're crazy. <laughs> but they're not just outwardly psychopathic. Yeah. They're just a predator. And a predator knows where, to, like a bear, will find the right spot in the street. Mm-hmm. If you find the right spot, you don't have to, you don't have to really work hard. You just, they just come to you. Calhoun slash Ives, when he describes, you know, they'll all be coming right here. I mean, it really is the per- perfect setup, the perfect location for that, for a surviving environment for people, for like this race that almost he wants to create in a way. Um, and then it kind of, it seems kind of vampirish in a way, so it kind of gets a little hokey there with like their ability to kind of uh, regenerate a little bit you know i could understand like the you know pseudo-human strength or something like that like getting you know like he said he felt a certain virility well i i think that was playing to the fact that there were the there were the two native americans and they were telling you about the wendango and you know how you just be all they wanted was human flesh after that and i i think that was playing a little bit to the to a slight supernatural reason why something like this would happen because like this this came out like 20 years ago and just like the idea of straight up saying yeah these are madmen in the woods who just like to eat people was you know I I, I could very much imagine studio executives coming in and be like nah let's uh let's give a reason for why they're doing this um but that that's just my opinion but no you're right there's a there's that uh the, thankfully there's that that spiritual side of it where they're saying like you know you eat a man and you um, take on his strength his strength you know, life force basically um which is better than just like oh you need people kind of empowered by it yeah for some reason i th- I, I think they just wanted to stay away from the straight up addressing that this happened. This happened quite frequently, more frequently than we like to admit. Um, that That's what I took away from it. Yeah, it could have been hokey, but I just, it was such a minor part of right. the, the horror of it. There was like a greater, there, there's just overall, it's a greater um, kind of being just, it's just survival and isolation. Mm-hmm. What, you, what a person will do uh, no matter how civilized they may seem, um, mm. in order to survive, and that's happened. I mean, it's happened with the 1980s with that soccer team or rugby team that completely crashed in like the Alps or the Andes, up having to do that, having to eat the dead. Uh, but that's how they survive. Um, but I can definitely imagine that somebody taking advantage of a situation like that mm. or, or forcing a situation like that mm-hmm. uh, in order to. Yeah, like a hunter setting a trap, and this is, this is what we do. Especially, like, at the end, when, well, well, when Ives says, or when he mentions, I think it was Ben Franklin, when he says, uh, Ben Franklin said, um, don't eat to live, but live to eat. Uh, Boyd is sitting there, he's, he's bleeding, and he's all like, oh, oh you know, all slumped over, and everything. And Hart is there, too, and they're just eating that meat to um, and then Boyd finally kind of succumbs to get to, to the meal. Um, mm-hmm. just, like, moments like that are, are just, 
there's a lot of great moments uh, going back to like the beginning when when Ives uh, first shows up, uh, Frost and everything that we talked about his his wagon party. Mm-hmm. He talked about how he came back and gathered wood. It smelled of meat cooking. Yeah, the leg who had died. Um, he thanked the Lord for it, and then his was saying our hunger was different after that. This that old scene we talked about it. It's more rabbits. <laughs> I kept waiting for him to say they say rabbits. Yeah, this, uh, it does have some great little moments. Like I love when Hart is just talking about all the, the soldiers at the fort, you know, and he's eating his walnuts, you know, saying private ride and poplar uh, and all these people like looking like those yeah, there's there's a lot of great little moments. I mean, there are some moments where you, it just kind of it loses momentum, but then it brings it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The end, the third act, definitely feels like a it harkens back to like an old uh, slasher movie, Cabin in the Woods. That was yeah. the most like tropey. I I and I'm just saying trope because I I don't I don't have a better word, but like the most like classical. Uh, archetype of a horror movie. Um, definitely just this person keeps coming, this person keeps coming, um, and then there's a twist because his CO is involved and like, yeah, it was, they, they make you think that it's slightly more supernatural, but it's it's actually someone else helping that you right. didn't suspect all along. Um, yeah, they do that, they do that, um, that reveal, is like when the heart comes back when he's alive he's, he's dead i can't remember i don't remember whether or not i was shocked by that i think i was more shocked that i that uh you know calhoun was portraying was pretending to be a superior officer mm-hmm. like oh man now boy you know guy pierce's character he's kind of screwed in this situation like nobody's gonna believe him now mm-hmm. uh, it's, kind of, it's like it's like oh man this guy's won now and then you look, if you look at the timestamp on the movie, like, there's, like, still, like, another, like, half an hour or so left to go. It's like, okay, where is this going to end up? But I'm glad that, as, a, I mean, you can't really call it a, a war film. I mean, it takes place during that time. There's not too much war. I mean, there's, like, flashbacks and everything. But I'm glad there's not too much of it. Focus on the isolation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I couldn't imagine what it would have been like for, for those men at that time. So, I was wondering, did you did you ever consider the fact that um, it, there were it, this movie was quite homosexual in undertones? Of course, yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> it could have it could have been a Roman piece or something. Yeah, but like yeah. the way the way Calhoun and um, Guy Pierce's character died in the end was a very intimate death between them. Oh, very. Um, um, like dying in a giant bear trap. You know? <laughs> Once they enter, and you get the, the, I think they did a good job foreshadowing because you saw, you saw in that barn earlier on there was like all the traps and everything. Mm-hmm. And then the moment, the moment, um, uh, Ives' character comes in and there's that complication there, and you just think instantly like, okay, somebody's gonna get their head stuck in a trap here, mm-hmm. you know? But you're not foreseeing. You know, I just thought it was going to be like, oh, okay, you know, Guy Pierce's character, Boyd, is just going to push Ives into a trap on the wall or something like that. And then, oh, okay, gone. Well, he was he was also kind of tormented because he had consumed human flesh and he had that ravenous that he was fighting against. Like Calhoun, like is just like, why are you fighting it? Just just right. let it let it happen. And so it was it was kind of a, a moment of ending his own misery and trying to stop this from continuing where he's just like, I gotta take him with me and I you could see him breaking down and almost starting like almost eating the stew that was being made and to me he just he's just like this is the only way to end it and like who was a hero, he tried to be the hero by getting both of them into the bear trap and dying, but then, you know, the, the other soldiers came and ate the stew, and... Yeah, I know, I know, and they're all like, and then that's a good, that's a good moment, too, where it's just kind of like, 
a dark comedy blackness to it. Just like, oh, and that's how cycles repeat. Mm -hmm. Like that. Um, but it comes full circle for Guy Pierce's character. You know, he lays down for himself mm -hmm. in the beginning. You know, ends up getting rewarded for it or just out of shame, basically. And now he has to carry that with him throughout his life. Um, mm -hmm. But in the end, he has a chance of redemption. Yeah. You know? And that's, yep. you know, it's, it has some great classical, it hits, I think it ticks all of those kind of literary filmography type boxes, mm -hmm. you know, the full circle of your kind of uh, hero or anti-hero. Yeah, because it's like the main thing is there's a huge, uh, the underlying theme of spirituality mm -hmm. and wanting to do the right thing, empowerment, and also there's, there's regret and his loss. Um, I mean, you don't see, you don't see Guy Pierce's character smile at all throughout this film. No, he's um, he's very taciturn. Yeah, yeah, he's very just kind of like, oh, what? You know, you can just tell he just doesn't want to be in any situation that he's in. Obviously, especially when he gets to the fort, Sierra Nevada's, because um, he's just exiled there. It's just like, oh, he might as well be dead. And it's as if maybe you know, or you could even say to the fact. Um, what if he did die? What if he, you know, you could say that this whole film was maybe a dream or something like that. Maybe this whole film takes place while he's dying, which is what, uh, oh, uh, I don't know if you ever saw a movie called Jacob's Ladder. No. I feel like I've heard of it, or I'm just thinking of the toy. <laughs> it's with Tim Robbins, and he's like going, he's a, a Vietnam vet, and, uh, got PTSD and he goes throughout the entire movie just kind of seeing crazy things and he thinks that there's something coming after him there's a supernatural uh, aspect but then come to find out that the whole film everything that he's going through is just he's actually dying in a, in a military hospital that's what the reveal is at the end uh, uh, it's kind of like spoilers. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like the instant at Owl Creek Bridge I think yeah. it the short story about the the guy who's getting hanged and he had this whole delusion of as he's getting hanged the noose breaks and he falls into this rushing water and it, it's him getting out of this death situation and then the end it cuts to oh no you right you actually yeah died. was it French was it a French film they it was made into a film but I believe. I'm going to do a little Googling. Hold on. Yeah, in that instant of him. Right? Like, it's like the that split second between life and death. He, he kind of lives this whole other scenario of life. Yeah, instant at Owl Creek Bridge. Um, it was a short by Ambrose Bryce, but I know I, uh, my teacher made us watch the movie. No, Which it takes place. It takes place during the Civil War, so. Oh yeah. So yeah, you know, it could have been that whole thing, but. I mean, you could say that definitely. You know, it it could be. I mean, there's fantastical moments at times. There's funny. There's cool, funny, quirky moments at times. You know, it can go anyway. The uh, what was it? it? Was called the incident at what was it? Owl, at, Creek? Owl Creek Bridge. Yeah. They uh they actually in the in the latter years of. The Twilight Zone, when mm -hmm. they were starting to like get pretty thin on stories, they actually took that time. They took that film, that short film, and they had it as an episode or a two-part episode on the Twilight Zone. It just basically just repackaged it as a Twilight Zone episode during the time that it, the Twilight Zone was fizzling out. Yeah. Little side trip. <laughs> I did Yeah, I didn't know they had done a Twilight Zone, but like. I, there was uh that's a theme that they they ended up doing what there was a TV show with the the dad from step by step before step by step where it turns out like the woman wakes up and like by the end of the show he dies but then she wakes up and it was all a dream oh. and he was in like he was in just in the bathroom was like oh hey what's going on yeah um, that was, uh, it was Dallas okay was that what, what it was yeah like what they call like that's like one of those what they call like jumping where they they realize they've written themselves into a like plot hole basically and then they just decided like hey this whole season you've just watched you became so invested in 
it didn't really happen. <laughs> it's a dream. Whoops, we'll <laughs> take the white out. <laughs> which, which, you know, like, for a while, like, that was actually a very, it, it was a very unexpected thing, but then, I, I've, yeah, I, again, a lot of people, I think, used it as, oh, I wrote myself into a corner. Didn't happen. Right. Um, and now, now it's just like, oh, that was a cop-out. Right. But, yeah, now they've just referred to it as, like, jumping the shark, or it was like, you know, I don't think they have a name for, you know, they pulled a Dallas, but Jump- they always, they always refer to it as jumping the shark, or if they use Ex Machina, yeah, Deus Ex Machina, that's what it is. Because Jumping the Shark is is when a show gets to its pinnacle and then just nothing compares. Yeah, nothing nothing compares. And then whatever they do no, after it, that is just... Deus Ex Machina is the... Oh, uh... We don't know what we're going to do, so we're just going to have this giant thing happen. Um, yeah, I'm trapped on the cliff. Oh, wait, there's a hook above me. I'm going to grab that. Ah. Yeah. Um. So. So. Anyway, the the movie, like you mentioned, how like uh, there were a few like levity moments, and um, so, some uh something I appreciated was um. So the 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 guy who was like the the chaplain, the priest who was always trying to write the the hymn, um, you know. This is a literary device, but, like, he died, and, like, that was, like, the loss of the innocence, because he he was a very innocent character. He was very gentle. He he just wanted to write his song. He probably didn't even want to be there himself. Then there's the, the, the loss of the comic relief of David Arquette's character, which, honestly, why was, why was he there? Right. Yeah. I, I mean... I mean I mean, yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand. Like comedy, I get it, but like that was that that was the only part that I I I wish they had cut out, um, because he's a stoner. Yeah, he was just that 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 did not fit in the in the theme at all, and it's like you know, like Romeo and Juliet when um Romeo's friend is killed. That's that's the time. Uh, when the tone changes, but his, the, the, the death of the comedy relief was really superfluous because they had killed the innocent character and that's when the tone of the movie really changed that like having these two light or sympathetic characters die in completely different, I, I mean, I get, I guess they, they were there for like each act of the movie, like the death of the innocents, um, with with the priest chaplain character, and then it, there was still a lot of levity in in between when David Arquette's character died. But like, I don't know. It just yeah, David Arquette's character is the only part I really had an issue with. Like everything else, I mean, and he wasn't even in it that long either. No. But still, when he was there. The moments he was there just brought nothing to the table. No, yeah, his, yeah, that was the only part that really fell flat for me. Just like, re-edit this without him, please. Right, it would be so easy. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, other than that, I think all the all the other characters are fantastic. I really like uh, I was Commander Knox, the the drunk. He's really good. Yeah. Uh, when he when they when the chaplain, uh, the the innocent chaplain. He wakes up Knox and he's like, oh, you know, the, the Frostbit man is awake. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's just, there's some really. Like, he could some, have been the comic relief without it being out yeah. of place. You know, he, yeah, yeah. It's like, you already have a drunkard. Why do you need to have a stoner? A guy that smokes, like, peyote. And... They, yeah, they even said, like, no weed, no peyote, no this. And he's, he's just, like, kind of nodding, like, yeah. dude, our cat would. And it's just like, like, Not necessary. Dude, where's my car? All of a sudden. Hey, just go, go. Hey, let's not insult. Dude, where's my car? That oh, was I an know, excellent I know, movie. <laughs> it did. They did it better. Obviously, yeah. That's a great. Of its time, too. And then, like, there's movies like that that are just of their time that mm-hmm. are perfect. Like Austin Powers. <laughs> you know those Austin Powers still holds up. 
Yeah. So. I just feel bad that, like, actors like Mike Myers, who just worked so well during the time that he made film, and then he tried to do it. I think the, the love guru you know, fell flat. I don't know. Like, maybe that that period of, of humor kind of passed along. And you see it sometimes with Dana Carvey did the master yeah. of disguise. disguise. That was just bad. Awful. Um, and then when Adam Sandler keeps just pumping up. Um, I don't know why. I think it's, I think he's just that he's just so rich and he's got his own production company. Yeah. So that's why yeah. he's being made. <laughs> he he made good stoner flicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and good, like, you know, watching in high school type flicks. You know, yeah, there's a few Adam Sandler movies that I'm happy to go back and watch again just because, like, what I think about, his, at least Adam Sandler in particular, is his movies were, at its core, they were, they were a pure and innocent sort of sensibility to them, yeah. where Master of Disguise was... It was just like, let's just see how ridiculous we can be. And the love guru was just like, hey, Mike Myers is popular right now. Let's, and, you know, but Adam Sandler's movies, like, they were grounded in reality and they were just pure in what they were trying to get across. Anyway, we're we're getting off topic. Like Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore are two, you know, they're fantastic films, but I think they still hold up pretty well. Mm Mm-hmm. And unpopular opinion, I think Polly Shore movies are great. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, early 90s movies, like, I can't remember what the one was where he, where he gets, like, married to that farm girl, right? Or pretends to be married. Yeah. Girl, to piss her parents off or something. Mm-hmm. I think and, uh, oh, uh, what was the other one? Where, in the Army Now. In the Army Now, one. yep. I think that one's a decent one. Yeah. I like it. I mean... <laughs> I mean, are are they? I, I would never try and compare them to movies that are going up for Academy Awards, but like, they're they're just so like his movies are just so sweet and sincere, and it's just like his it's like I just I just wanted to make you laugh, and right. his characters are always these just sweet, sincere movies, and yeah, that that one where he his friend who grew up on a farm to to meet her parents like he found her she was so out of her element and he took her in was like here let me let me show you how to vibe in southern california and you know just there's just a a a, a very sweet genuine element to his movies that they're they're good they're yeah they still hold up they're because fluff. Fluff they're is good. Fl- There's nothing wrong with fluff, especially yeah. during this time. Oh my god, I've had so many people bite my head off about stuff like that, though, and I'm just like, like I'm not trying to say it's gold and it's gonna transcend the right. genre, but yeah. Anyways, to to get back to horror. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all about it's all about when you see a movie, too. Yeah. You know. It's all about the time. Um, so, depending on what age you are, when you saw it, it'll definitely it'll hold a, a place in your heart. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of that, um, when you watch, when was the first time you watched this? The first time I watched this was probably it might have been about maybe possibly ten years ago. You know, the first time I watched it, um, and I really dug it. I thought it was I thought it was pretty good because um, you don't see many many kind of uh, horror films that kind of that take place in Civil War times or, or westerns or things like that. And usually, if it's if it's in that time period, it's like a sci-fi kind of throwaway movie. It's becoming more popular now. I think having period like um, Season of the Witch, I think was one. Um, or just one called Witch. Um, yeah, that one's, did you, have you seen that? No. You gotta check that. I'm sure somebody has dibs on that, I would imagine. No. Oh, they don't? Oh my gosh. That's a great, that's a good one. Um, but again, I, I think, I've, I've seen a couple memes about it, 
Um, yeah, but a couple of years ago, wasn't there that one, uh, Ginger Snaps? It was a werewolf film, period piece, or Ginger Snaps Back. I think it was Ginger Snaps Back. Oh, maybe. Ginger, Ginger Snap makes me think of, because remember, I don't know if you ever saw, oh, it was a movie with Alan Page, and she, it was basically, she kind of, uh, it's like in a chat room, and she decides to meet, she's like 14 or something, she decides to meet up with a guy that, you know, has that, you know, is getting off on that kind of thing, or wants to photograph her or whatnot, and then she takes advantage of the situation, and she basically, like, um, imprisons him and tortures him or like, beats him up or something like that. Uh, Not one that's ringing a bell. Yeah. Oh, but then they made like a whole slew of movies after that once they realized that that there was you know that there was money to be made. But uh, yeah, the the yeah, which is good, which is good, which has they did a great job with the period piece again, isolation. You know, Salem with which trials type thing and it's a movie that it pays off the yeah. payoff is really good um, another great movie I would suggest would be Hush I don't know if you saw that or not like a home invasion movie uh, with, a deaf, with a deaf woman I have not but oh man home invasion that that would play in a lot of uh, yeah, right. insecurities I that I have as a vaguely yeah. paranoid human, as yeah. I already am. <laughs> uh, I... The great thing about that movie is that she, the woman who, who plays the main character, she, I think she, she directed it, but I think she wrote it too, and she actually is deaf. So wow. it comes across like very believable, um, just the way how a, how a deaf person would live with, you know, the way they have their phone set up or cameras or television security. Mm -hmm. Another good one is, uh, and these are within the past five years, is It Follows. Ooh, someone, someone suggested that. I think that's on that's, the list. That's a great, that's, that's, that's definitely, it's in, I think it's, it's a definitely in a league of its own. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard, it's hard to find new places to go, um, in movies nowadays, but yeah, they definitely found, they found a good place to go, um. It's like how I felt when I watched Insidious for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, I went to the theater not knowing what it was, not knowing if it was a horror movie or anything like that. Just like a, a friend just probably was like, what is this movie? She was like, I don't know. We'll see. I, I went to see a movie once with that sort of uh, situation, um, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh, yeah. Um, a, fr a friend of mine... Um, he had followed that podcaster who wrote and directed it for years. He'd listened to his podcast for, for a very long time. And he's just like, I can't find anyone who wants to go to this movie with me. Would you, would you go? And I, I said, sure. I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, but I, yeah, but I really enjoyed it. It was a little bit more upsetting for me, I think, because, um, John Goodman kind of looks like my dad a lot. Oh, well, um, yeah, so it's home. Yeah, so, like, like a lot of his mannerisms and everything, like, like the cut of his, his jowl and jawline, and, um, you know, even um, when I was younger, my, if I saw my dad lose his temper, like, I would see him in, like, the Walter character from The Big Lebowski. So, like, to me, like, John Goodman, like is my dad almost and so seeing him in this the situation where he has imprisoned a uh a, a young woman with brown hair and very much my sort of physicality I'm like Ugh! it just I went in probably being a little more upset than most people would just just simply for that but I but yeah, that was a movie I had no expectations, and I loved it. You know, yeah. it was, you know, sort of horror-y, more suspense, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I really enjoyed that. It's that uh, the apocalypse type thing, or dystopian 
type mm-hmm. film. Um, and I think they were, the reason why they did the Cloverfield thing, I think they were just, I think they took a script and then just threw that onto it. And then they, and then they threw on the ending, you know, where he decides where, when you hear the radio broadcast mm-hmm. about the invasion or some stuff like that, mm-hmm. that she adds to toward the city. Um, but, but other than that, I, it's like I, I haven't seen Cloverfield place. either, so there was... Oh, you haven't? No. So, like... It, it's it, worth checking out, yeah. It's not bad. Um, of its time, again, it's it's also of its time, too. If you have motion sickness, I would not suggest it. <laughs> Generally not. I saw that in theaters, I think. Yeah, what? that sounds about right. I think that movie came out when I was in high school. Yeah. Or, like, just after high school, well, if it was just after for you, yeah, that that lines up then. Maybe like two thousand six. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right, and a question I never got to that I try and ask everyone: What was the first horror movie that you remember seeing? I would have to be. It would have to be like the probably the maybe the first Friday the Thirteenth, or it would be. Or a movie called Basket Cakes. <laughs> what that is? Um, that's like, oh my gosh, that was a movie that my brother had rented, and uh, and I, I completely had different ideas about it. I just thought it was gonna be like, oh, you know, it's about this this guy who has this this creature that he eats in a basket, and I just thought like, oh, it's gonna be like one of those little rubber head thingies, like those rubber head. Um, toys that you would get when you were a kid, like it was like in the 90s, it's like a bouncy ball with arms and stuff. I was yep. like, oh, this is going to be fun. And I watched it in broad daylight in the living room of my parents' house. And I remember my dad like walking through the living room and not even being like aware of what I was watching. But it was about this guy who carried his his twin brother who was actually born like on the side of his stomach. And he was surgically removed. And then so he kept it. He kept him in the basket. So it was about like the two of them just kind of being drifted, you know. And then Beguile was the name of the brother in the basket, and he would just commit murder. Mm. That's such a strange movie, messed up, but you know, it's a classic. So, your your uh, brother made you watch that? He didn't make me. He just he had rented it, and we was just. I was like, oh, what's that? He was like, oh, it's a movie called Basket Case. You should check it out. And I think I was probably. I was probably in single digits at the time. Yeah. It, it, it's great having older siblings who who scar you for life at a young age. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, it's like either either that movie or like a Friday the 13th movie or a Halloween movie. Um, the first Alien movie uh, I remember seeing at a young age. You know, definitely movies that I probably shouldn't have been watching at that time. But those are the times you're supposed to watch these. They hold a... They hold a spot for you. Yeah, see, I, I never I never sought out those movies. And my, my sister always made me watch the most horrendous parts of these movies that she would watch behind our parents' back. So, and she, you know, she was, she was the one who was in charge when uh, mom and dad weren't home. So she was like, hey, Kelly, watch this. Oh. Was she? Is she just like a couple years older than you? She's three years older than me. Oh, three years? Oh, I didn't think there was that much difference. Yeah, well, that's, that's not much. But it's enough when you're that little. Right when you're young. Yeah. yeah. I mean, now now it's like nothing, but. Right. Yeah, when she's the only one who's allowed to use the stove, and. Right. Both mom and dad are. Well, I can make hot dogs, but what? Well, I would. Yeah, I was I was always just such a scaredy child. Like, I cut myself on a knife a couple times, and then I then I refused to take sharp knives out of the dishwasher. And if I was eating food, like for this lasted for years. Like the 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 level of not touching sharp things in in my life. Um, and, That's understandable. I mean, you become like traumatized, you know, yeah. depending on when it happened. Yeah. Um, for a very long time, I refused to take things out of the oven. I was also very small. Um, 
as a child, um, and reaching over that hot oven door to pull something out that was, like, heavy and, like, even if it was just a frozen pizza, I just, I, I didn't enjoy putting myself in uncomfortable situations. I was, I was, I was very much a girly girl when I was very small, like, yeah, I just, I just didn't like being emotionally uncomfortable and, you know, still sort of that way, but I'm, I'm pushing myself. But But your mind can jump to, if you allow your mind to jump to kind of like the worst possibility. And that's what I would always do. That's what I would always do. Like I'm, I'm claustrophobic. Uh, I can be in a very small space, but as long as I know I can get out, I'm perfectly fine. I can be in a large space and be locked in, and that's when I start to to freak out. So, like, yeah, like my my mind just jumps to the worst case scenario. I'm a, I'm a very paranoid individual. Yeah, uh, you know that's probably why I've avoided horror movies for so long. Like, even though a couple of my top ten movies are horror movies, um, like The Craft uh, is. Oh, yeah, that's great. That, that's, that's, that's in top three for me. But, yeah. like, I, I just, I, I've just never, be, because my mind does jump to, like, the worst conclusions, um, that's, that's probably why I have avoided horror movies this long. Um, no, well, not, the like, actively, a... not actively avoided, but, yeah. Right, like, you just, like, eh, no, I don't really want to go there. Yeah. And it depends on, yeah, it depends on... If you, yeah, it's like, um, if you haven't been down that road yet, and then, like, the longer you don't, it's like, oof, I don't know if I want to get it. And then some people, yeah, like, a, you know, you have an older sibling introduces it to you, or, you know, you have parents like mine who decided that it was a great idea to have cable television in, like, every room <laughs> in the house. Um, and then, so you just have carte blanche. You know, you just, oh, it's whatever. And then, in a way, you do become desensitized mm-hmm. but uh yeah the craft is i think that's more you know i could i consider that almost like along the lines of like hocus pocus you know yeah like okay. one of those movies you kind of have to watch on halloween or mm-hmm. you know it holds a special place um you've given me a lot of insight about um you know you know you know why why i'm doing this is just to just to parse out like why people love these movies and like each person has their own like very individual reason why they like it but yeah I I I really appreciated your point of view and I really did I enjoyed this movie a lot like I'm glad you did uh you know like so far I haven't no one suggested a bad like a movie I didn't enjoy just straight up just like nope not my cup of tea um the the last one I uh, I did uh, for this really old movie Saturn three that was oh, yeah. that was not a good movie but I did enjoy it with uh, Harvey Keitel right? yeah and the robot and uh, and uh, was it Kirk Kirk Douglas mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. Farrah Fawcett first Farrah Fawcett movie I'd ever seen yeah it's not the best film but it's like that's another one too, like isolation and like sci-fi. And stuff. Yeah, isolation tends to be a an overall. Yeah, so far every movie I I have seen involves some level of isolation. So that you know what that's a huge theme in horror movies is being isolated. Um, we need to find one that's not about isolation. I know what you did last summer. No, well, the craft. The craft is also not about isolation. That is no, about finding your people. Yeah, it is about finding people. It's like it's about teenage angst, and well, it's it's about inner isolation, right? Not actual isolation. No, but like, no. Well, I mean, the main character was isolated at first, um, but it, but the horror starts when she finds people. Right. When she opens herself up to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in that, she finds her own strength to 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 save herself, essentially. 
it, it goes from isolation to codependence to independence, I think, is the driving force because... Yeah, yeah you're right. There we go. Yeah, such a good movie. Such a great movie. <laughs> the craft is just a classic. It really is. It, it, it ticks all the, all the best boxes. That movie, I do remember trying to let to convince my mom to let me watch when I was, like, in first grade. Um, oh. Like, no, it's it it's not... And my mom's like, you're, no, you and your sister cannot go see The Craft. But, you know, fast forward a couple of years, my sister was having her best friend sleep over, and they rented it, and I got to watch it, finally, because they rented it um, uh, from the video store for a three-day rental, um, and... We still had it for a day when my parents were at work, so I'm like, I get to watch this movie I wanted to see for forever, and by forever, I mean probably two years. Um, but when right. you're when you're seven, two years is forever. Right, exactly. Um, um, and that's the thing too is that when you finally, it's especially when it's like, you know, when you're told like, no, that movie's not for you, and then you just want to watch it that much more. And when you finally get to, it's. And again, especially if it's at the young age, it's just it's it's just so much more um, apt to to stick with you and mm-hmm. be you know, something that you connect to, and it's something you always go back to. Yeah, it's one of the few movies that um, you know I purchased it on DVD, and I still have my DVD. Like I've I've purged my collection so many times of movies that I thought I really liked, and it's just kind of like oh no, but like that's that's just a movie I I can't get rid of you know like I, I, I think that's a movie it. that got a lot of teenage girls like into Wiccan a lot of teenage girls do have a, a witchcraft phase um I'm neither gonna confirm nor deny I, I totally know Lynn did. did I, I did didn't uh, Lynn is my cousin everyone yeah um yeah. For, for those who don't know but yeah she she did have a at least a phase where she seem to truly believe in fairies and, uh, fae creatures. Um, so hey, yeah. they're still there. They're out there. Could be. I thought, Who's to I say? feel like she was, yeah, I feel like I remember her, she had like a notebook or something that had not so much spells, but it's like recipes or something. She was actually very, um, particular of, of the things she introduced me to. So she may have been more into witchcraft, but she just let me onto the fairy stuff. Um, oh, yeah. She's trying to keep it, keep, protect you a little bit. She still does that. Me being the absolute baby of the family, like anytime I I, I vaguely mention something in, in adult life, makes her like. She's like, I don't, I don't want to hear you talk about stuff like that. Right. So, like so, she goes to mama bear kind of mode. Yeah. She would try and protect me from so many things, even though my sister had already ruined me. Like, her right. her um, best friend brought over Sublime CD and um, listened to the um, Caress Me Down song. Heard that when I was, like, eight, and I'm like, oh, I sort of know what they're talking about. Um, and then her being the, the, the hippie grunge kid that she was, I remember... One of the times I came to visit her uh, and Sam for the summer for a couple weeks in the summer, I was hanging out with her and her friend in her room. There, they must they must have been listening to Sublime, and then that song comes on, and she like jumps to she's like, "Nope, not listening to that." And like, cause I'm I'm like eight or nine, and like I didn't think anything of it, but I almost said, "I know what that song is," but like, you know, I just. I wanted Lynn to like me, so I didn't say anything. You just, like, had that moment of, like, yeah, okay, it's fine. I'm sick <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't want Lynn to kick me out because Lynn's really cool. Anyways. Right. Yep. Yeah, every every girl has their, uh, occult phase. And, you know... I've come across... Yeah, I think that's, that's been, like, a recurring theme, and I, I've seen it where it's it's good when people... Kind of like you grow out of that, but then you see the people who haven't grown out of that, mm-hmm. and it's like it's not a road you want to stay on too long. Yeah, like, then you just kind of stop yourself from growing. Well, I'm not gonna lie; I still, I still kind of follow it to an extent, mm-hmm. but 
you don't live your lifestyle. Like, no, like yeah. I'm still staunchly agnostic. I do believe in science. Like, you know, I don't necessarily think there's a beyond, but you know what? If I die and there is afterwards, I, I was wrong. Um, but like, I hope the, there's something. Yeah. yeah. But like the reason why I, I want something to be more than us. Who knows? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to fault anyone for doing what they do to, to, to get fulfillment out of life. And that's, that's kind of why I do it because, um, it's about the power within yourself spells or whatever have you for the, for those who do actively do spells. It's sort of just like, uh, a ritual you do to, to focus your energy. And I, I do think it, it's more of a way to make yourself do things that would bring what you want to happen to fruition. Yeah, like, like positive, a positive. Yeah, yeah, like placebo effect. I honestly think that's what it is, but like whatever it is you you need to do to get yourself in the frame of mind to start pursuing even mildly like the things you want to happen in your life. Like it it's what I think prayer in, you know, Christian based religions are. It's what I think um, meditation in Buddhism does. It's just, it's just a, a different way of focusing your energy to bring what you want to happen. Yeah. So. Uh, and I would rather, I'd rather hang out with any kind of wicked witchcraft person than Jehovah's Witness or something like that. <laughs> oh, Jehovah's but, uh, Witnesses. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm open to, to anybody. You have to have, um, a feeling that there is something great. It doesn't have to be any one thing. Because mm -hmm. who's to say what is that one thing? Yeah. Just like how you said, it's all about it's all about your putting your energy into something, and if you get something back from that, that's the, that's great. Because that's, that's that's the that's the purpose of it. Mm -hmm. That I have faith in something. Because if you don't, you're lost. Yep. And hey, for some people, that faith is in science. So, I, I mean, science, awesome. <laughs> it's, science is awesome. Uh, but you still can't tell me that the fact that scientists still say that the moon doesn't affect us. I think that's complete bullcrap. Yeah. The moon pulls the, if the moon pulls the tides, it must affect us. There's yeah, there's got to be some vibrational energy shift. I that that we in our lizard brain picks up. Um, <laughs> yeah, just 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 because we can't necessarily pinpoint what it is doesn't mean it's not happening. Um, yeah. Hey, I I notice it a lot with males that like anytime they get like all like whoosh, whoosh, you know all puffy and angsty and stuff like that. I'm like, is there a full moon happening? It's usually around with oh, it's, it's when a full moon is coming. You know, that's when that stuff will happen or that weird stuff. It's just like I call it like like the man cycle. Scientifically <laughs> proven, men have a cycle too. They just don't bleed at the end of it. Right, exactly. Maybe they shouldn't. <laughs> no, that would just be gross. Men wouldn't deal yeah. with it, right? No, they wouldn't deal with it, right? It would just be like... Oh, let me just stick a sock. That'll work. <laughs> oh, men are the worst, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you know, you work with men, and I hear, and I work with men too. It's, you know, men give women a lot of guff. Or, you know, saying like a, a knitting circle or, you know, you're like chickens, like little doctors. Men are way worse than women. So dramatic and so, so gossipy. It's just the drama is, has just really in my head. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've been on the inner circle of a, of a group of dudes before and they honestly can be just as gossipy. I mean, just because it's it's not about what they deem superficial thing that women do doesn't mean it's not gossip that you guys are doing. Anyway, I think we've gone so far off topic now. <laughs> I think we have to, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so uh I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up now and I just want to thank everyone for listening in, um, for us talking about uh a wonderful movie, Ravenous. I I really did. I enjoyed it uh, a lot. Yeah, check it out. Um, it's, it's worth looking into. And if you've made it this far to us, uh, going uh, off the rails into just sort of 
chatting in general about life and whatnot. Thank you. I I think we're all sort of lacking a, a need for social interaction at this moment. So thank you for listening this far and have have a good one, everyone. Hope to see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.